Hey, Amanda. Hey, Kristen. How are you? Good today. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm like really excited for this episode. Same. I listened, yeah, I listened back and like, she's another one that had like, a, like 150 good conversations in the one episode, you know? I know. And I'm so excited to get to talk to somebody from where I grew up. Yeah, that was very exciting to see like the chemistry between you two, <laughs> your, your North Arlington bond. <laughs> yeah, it is, a, it is a special and interesting <laughs> place. It is a special battle to fight. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Uh, When you grow up in a tiny town and half of it is a cemetery (laughs) that is right across the the river from New York City, it is it is an interesting place to live. But we will get to Aaron in just a second. I want to thank everybody who supports this show on Patreon. We love you. You guys are amazing. You help us so much. Thank you. We've decided that we're going to start thanking everybody who comes on and is our new patrons shout outs shout out time right <laughs> thank you laura thank you wendy thank you mary elizabeth thank you sharon and thank you rachel for becoming our newest crafty ass patrons we love you and thank you for joining us um also book club news we are going to be wrapping up a book that takes its time so if you have read a book that takes its time while i take the time to say the title a book that takes its time <laughs> and i also want to like i'm not done with it it's gonna take its time all year but I yeah, read oh a yeah portion of it yeah if you have spent some time on a book that takes its time <laughs> we're gonna be doing the wrap-up show and we'd love to talk to you we're going to be doing some guest interviews during the week of april between april 19th and april 27th 26th yeah so uh, if you've read the book and you want to come do a quick five-minute interview with us so that you can be on our wrap-up show, send us an email at craftyassfemale at gmail.com. Just let us know who you are. And yeah, just be like, hey, I read the book. I'm in book club, and I want to be a part of the show. I want to talk to you girls about the book. That's basically all you have to say. Yep, that is absolutely perfect. <laughs> Tell us your name. That would be oh, good. Yeah, that, would, that would be helpful. Yeah. Um, just because I've done that before. I've absolutely <laughs> sent, like, hey, I'm totally interested and not sent my name. But, um, yeah, so send your name also. That would be great. Um, otherwise, I'm, like, super pumped. For it's book club, we're going to do the two Austin Cleon books as our next two books so that we can have the whole trilogy of Austin Cleon books in our book, in our, in our book club right. repertoire. Right. Like, we did Steal Like an Artist last year and because he just came out with keep going we're gonna do show your work which came second after still like an artist and then keep going just kind of wraps up the trilogy and keep going is fantastic like keep so going good. is so good that i need so to good. go back and read them now so yeah. i'm really excited i marked up keep going so hard that <laughs> i'm like i'm just so pumped i'm so pumped yeah. for everything so it's gonna be a really 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 great dive into our creative selves so i'm really pumped for everything coming with book club and last thing is our hangout q a call with our ten dollar patrons is coming up it is on thursday Thursday, yeah thursday the 18th of april (laughs) all right just making sure we get it out there guys (laughs) Um, Thursday the 18th of April, so next week, 
Yes, next Thursday. All yeah. the dates, all the dates are coming really fast. Right <laughs> Spring is moving really quickly. Yeah, Spring I don't mind so fast. I so, don't mind. If you want to be a part of this hangout with me and Amanda, it's a video chat. You do not have to be on video. You do not even have to be on audio. You can just come and hang and watch us and talk to each other and chat and whatever. Yeah. We're going to be there at 6 o'clock Eastern time next Thursday. Um, $10 patrons. It is a cool perk, and we're doing it every month. You come hang out. You'll get the video afterwards. If you can't, you can ask some questions beforehand. But either way, we will be available for you to come and chat with us, hang out with the podcasters, come and meet the podcasters, meet the podcasters <laughs> event um, with Kristen and Amanda. Next Thursday. Lifetime. Lifetime. 6, 6 p.m. Um, and it's right before Amanda's spring break. Oh, you are going to see me on a high like you've never seen me before. <laughs> so she's going to be so excited. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be so chatty. More She's than usual. Like ultra pumped. So come and hang out and celebrate Amanda's spring break. Celebrate a Thursday. It's the Thursday right before Easter. So celebrate. Yeah. It's not a really great day in the Christian faith, but <laughs> we're going to have a celebration. It's a great day in our, in our, in our religion. It's, it's, it's a great day for Amanda, and it's a great day that uh, we're going to have. We're going to have together a Q&A call. And I'm just so excited about this community. We are growing and I just love every single person who's like, I found your podcast and it makes me feel less alone in the world. Every single time somebody says that, I job feel done. less alone. Yeah, job job well done. Yeah. So thank you guys all. Thank you so much. And if you want to support the show, you guys can head over to craftyassfemale.com slash Patreon and throw us five bucks a month. And you guys get so much. We've recorded so many after chatter shows. Every single show has an after chatter. We have book club we have currently episodes. We have just so much stuff for you. We have a Discord community and so much more. But today's episode is with Erin Maya, who is a recording artist. I have known her since middle school, and she is just such a badass. And I am so excited to introduce her to you. And I hope you listen to her music, and I hope you love her as much as I do. All right, guys. Are you ready? I'm ready. Ready. Let's go. Welcome to the Crafty Ass Female Podcast, an audio show that talks about the resourceful ways we women are living our lives and the crafty projects we create in between. We are your hosts, Amanda Zampelli and Kristen Tweedale, and we believe you are a capable badass who already has all the tools you need to make beautiful things and make beautiful things happen. We're just here to remind you. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Erin. Hi. Welcome okay. to the show. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, <laughs> I'm, okay, so I'm so excited about today's guest. I cannot even tell you guys. So we have Erin Maya with us today, and I went to grammar school with Erin, and we did Girl Scouts together, and <laughs> I think she's just the coolest, and I've had a crush on her for, like, ever, and so <laughs> I'm so glad that she is here with us today. So let me tell you a little bit about Erin. Erin... Now, I, like, lost her bio because Erin sent us the coolest bio and I, like, had something in my head. But Erin sent us an amazing one, so I cannot, like... Okay. So, Erin is a professional singer, songwriter, and actress. And you guys, like, literally have to, like, go and listen to her album, which we're going to talk about. But it is amazing. It's on Spotify and I've had, like, you know, 
I've had it on repeat since it came out like a couple of months ago. But Erin has performed at venues all over New York City. She's been on a Carnival Cruise Line band. Guys, oh my God, right? Um, she's worked at, as an actress in New York City and regionally. She is the founder, songwriter, and lead vocalist of Erin, Maya, and The Reckoning, an alter rock band with 90s influences. She's also the backup singer of NYC's female melodic punk band Babe Patrol. And her mission as an artist is to give witness to the unseen, unheard, to be part of art that is inclusive because visibility is the beating heart of art. Guys, can you, like, seriously? So good. She's like the perfect Welcome! Guest. You Hi. fit the show's title perfectly. But in such a unique way because we usually have crafters and physical artists or graphic designers, and I love that you're this other realm of creativity. So excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Okay, so tell me what you've been up to since, like, you know, middle school. Oh, shit, since middle school. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> whew. You know, being a hot mess, um, always. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Since middle school? Uh, okay, I guess uh, to fast forward a basically just got into theater hardcore in um in high school but while I was doing theater I was always doing band stuff as well uh, I was in an original band in high school with Amanda Vargas I don't know if you know her Kristen I'm not sure but like um, that name sounds super familiar yeah she's awesome um but I never wrote the music I just wrote like lyrics and vocal melodies because um, I did not trust my musical ability yet um, so I did that for a while and then I kind of just went on the theater track for a long time. I went to school, I went to college for theater. I went to Boston Conservatory, uh, got my BFA in musical theater. And that was kind of a, a rough time because, um, uh, musical theater can be very like, it's so in the box, you know, and I am not an in the box type of person. So I was kind of like this, like raw grungy ass rock chick floating amongst like, what I like to call Chad's and Katie's. Do you know yeah. what I mean by that? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, so I went on Craigslist, like a cover band to kind of like give me an outlet. And I found these like 40 something year old men who had a cover band. So I did that in college while I was doing musical theater to give me like release. Um, and then I just like basically graduated hit the ground running and uh i was working for years you know trying to get on broadway and uh you know i had i had like some success like you know working regionally or working like off off broadway but like nothing really ever clicked and it was always really disappointing to me because a lot of my um like a lot of my friends you know were very successful and rightfully so um, but I guess they weren't as much of a freak as I was. And so I just kind of felt like there was not a spot for me sort of in musical theater. Um, so segue into this whole time I was in um, a five and a half year relationship. Is this a good segue? Can oh, we yeah. Into this? Go. Okay. We are like wherever you want to take us. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, so sort of in my early 20s, um, I met this guy um, nice person. I'm not going to bash. Um, but we were together for five and a half years and we were not right for each other. And I kind of sort of always knew, but, um, we were both kind of broken in our own ways. 
And I think that we kind of fed off of each other in a way. Um, and we needed to like learn things from each other that were definitely important, but I knew I wasn't supposed to be in that relationship. And while I was in that, I was trying to make it in theater and it was like not clicking. It was very frustrating. I felt like stagnant. So I was approaching 30 and I was like, I need a life change. I need to figure, I need to adult. I don't know what I'm doing. So let me go to massage therapy school, random, totally random. So it was the best thing I ever did because it kind of got me out of the theater bubble and it kind of got me out of my relationship bubble too. Like it forced me out of it. And I started to have new experiences being around new kinds of people. And that ended up leading to me finally like having the courage to break this off. And that is what triggered the music. Like it finally just fucking, I had to literally like jump off the edge, jump off the cliff and like shatter my heart and all of my security that I had created the last couple of years that it ha actually had like kept me very stuck in life. Um, yeah. So I had to do that, I guess, in order for, to get over, I guess, the fear of making something on my own. Yeah, so, so, yeah, yeah, totally. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. Wow, and now do you still do the massage therapy? I do, I do. My hands are killing me, actually. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's kind of like my side hustle. Um, right. Like I ended up, I wanted to go into massage therapy is because I was like tired of babysitting and waitressing and that kind of like survival gig hustle. And I love connecting with people, which is why I do theater and music. And I felt like massage therapy was like another way to do that, you know? So yes, I still do it. Yeah. Oh, it kind of, you know, yours creativity is music. Mine's always been like design and, and paper crafting and whatever. And for so long, I wanted that to be like my lifeblood. But I recently went back to teaching and I think I understand what you're saying. Like it just is like the thing that gives you structure and the thing that you know you're going to report to so that there's space for like the love of the other stuff that then it can become a love again, kind of maybe. Uh, my question Stress. before was going to be, yeah, my question was going to be like, what percent do you massage and music? Like, would you say they're a 50-50 split in your job world and income stream, or is it more one mm. more than the other? Uh, mm, well, I definitely am like musician first, creative person first. Um, massage therapist is more of, I think, like a side note. Mm. Um, like massage therapy right now is my hustle job. And then depending on the season, music is. Cause okay. like I do, I'm, I sing in wedding bands and I have for like many, many years. Um, so when it's wedding season, that's like, that's my main jam. So cool. Yeah. And you sing with the reckoning there? Um, no, that's totally different. Uh, oh. So Aaron Maya and the reckoning is my band. So, so my music, original music. And then I have that, um, I mean, that girl punk band, Babe Patrol, which is really cool. You guys should check them out. Um, and then I just have, I'm in a wedding band. So it's called Gotham Project. It's just cover bands. It's like, you know, it's fun. It's like basically where I get to like pretend I'm Lady Gaga and Beyonce for like a night. It, yeah, always great. Yeah. <laughs> I do that and I don't get paid. So, I mean, you might as well get paid. If you're That's what that. I thought when I got into the wedding business. I was like, I get to pay, like get paid to do yeah. this instead of like in my shower or the car. Yeah. Like, amazing. 
That's so cool. And you get to see people make like asses of themselves at weddings. <laughs> oh, yes, I do. And <laughs> and also, okay, so I'm like a major tomboy, but I have this majorly girly side that I keep to myself and it's like about wedding stuff. Like I like just find it really fun and I guess it's because I'm always around it. So the fact that I get to see all different kind of wedding dresses and venues and different like cultures weddings and all that kind of stuff but it has also made me a major wedding snob I must say (laughs) yeah that's hilarious and I bet like oh so it's also New York City like North Jersey type weddings oh yeah it's like so okay yeah Long Island oh Oh, my god Long Island Island weddings are a very specific kind of wedding (laughs) let me tell you yeah so like Okay, I guess let's side note, like, weddings, okay, so the three of us now are from (laughs) the metro New York City area, and it's a very specific type of place with a very specific type of people. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, those weddings are very, like, so when you you go to weddings in other places, Mm -hmm. you can eat the dinner. Like, this is, like cocktail hour at these weddings and at home weddings that's where you have to eat all the food you can't eat the food in like the dinners because they're terrible but the cocktail (laughs) hour yeah they're always shit and nobody cares everybody's always like drinking and dancing i yeah i feel like that is a jersey thing it is like for sure and also it's a jersey thing this is weird it's a jersey thing to do the parent dances and the first dance all of that first before like the whole like you know how everybody like oh welcome bride and groom all the people in their crew la 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 and then they go right into like parent dances that's a jersey thing really i didn't know that i mean sometimes in long island they'll do it but like most of the time like in the the middle yeah it pops in the middle do you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah so i've like i've literally never noticed that before yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And I was like, what the heck? Like, I always, in the beginning, when I first started doing this, I'd be like, are they not doing parent dances? And they're like, no, it's later. And I'm like, yeah. wait, why? But everybody's going to be trashed. Why are they yeah. doing that? <laughs> and they are. Yeah. Oh, that's so they funny. They want people to stop what they're doing, redirect attention. Stop what you're doing, redirect attention. It's not like, let's bang it out yes. and then let everyone have a good time. They're like, everyone pause. I'm the star. Let's not forget this. It's like three hours into the reception, but let's not forget who the star is. That's what I'm, yeah, that's what I mean about Long Island weddings. It is so like that. It's like big money, bling, yeah. and like it's Constant totally redirection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. so funny. Yeah, I hear you. But that's such an astute observation. And that's such a fun perk of like getting to do music, which you love. And then another piece of it, you know, at, as a wedding singer. And then like getting to like, be in that element that you love so much like fun and that's what the mm-hmm. whole like I'm I've learned through this podcast that there's so many ways that you can fill yourself up like with what you love like it, it doesn't have to be like the be all end all super mega you know hallmark goal right that like yeah that you see sometimes and then you think you can achieve it's like there's so many real actual doable ways that you could fill your cup based on who you are and what you love and values which always comes up but yeah, so I mean, the time you knew that music was the direction you wanted to go was like always. There was never, it sounds, in your story. Like, you didn't was, know that. I, I always knew I wanted to sing, um, and I wanted to act too, but I always knew, like, that singing was in the picture. 
but I did I was very married for a long time to the musical theater Broadway thing simply because this is like oh my god sorry Navi <laughs> my dog's name is Navi he like hears another dog outside the hallway I'm so sorry I do need to like cut or something I apologize no. um no, um, it's funny because I actually thought for some reason that it would be easier for me to be successful on Broadway than to do music. Like, I just like didn't even understand how people or how, um, yeah. And what what is funny is that it ended up being like the total opposite. Like, it was way harder for me to be successful in theater. And I've had like a much easier time. It's just clicked sort of with music. So I actually didn't think I was going to do actual music until um, really before this album, right before this album. Yeah, it was after the breakup. So, yeah. Okay, so tell us how the album manifested. Because I listened to it and I was like actually blown away and like not even like in a in a like joking way like I listened to it because I like you and we've been you know I've known you since middle school and I was like okay I'm gonna listen to this because Aaron and I have been friends since grammar school and that's like a nice thing to do for somebody you and know she made this thing and let me right. check it out yeah and <laughs> like you know you know you are like literally a badass feminist chick who's doing her own thing and it's good to support badass feminist chicks who are doing their own thing hell yeah so like i listened to it and then i was like oh okay this is like my shit like this is like (laughs) i felt like both i was standing in my best friend's living room like watching like mtv and like it was like You know, like, like no doubt videos were on and we were just dancing. But also, like, I felt like my heartbreak of, like, my breakups. I mean, I, I know you heard the, the breakup episode. So, like, my, yeah. my breakup in my 20s, like, like, all of those things at once. Like, oh, my God. And, like, the lyrics of, oh, I wish, you know, I, I want us to still be friends. Like, that I wanted that. Like, oh, yeah. And so, like, okay, so tell me how like when did this happen like how did you did the 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 lyrics come did did you write the music like how how did how did it happen how did you turn it into an album like what is that like well first of all thank you so much that means the world to me seriously because one thing that from the get-go like as I was writing this I kept asking my best friend who's a composer musical theater composer I kept being like is it narcissist it's narcissistic to like talk about my stuff like constantly like is this a narcissistic project and he was like no like the point is like people want to hear your specific stories because the more specific you are actually people relate more rather than being general and so that means so much to me to hear that seriously <laughs> um how did it happen okay so the my first song i ever wrote was the edge like completely on my own um and it came from a journal entry that I wrote um I wrote it the night after my heart was shat I was terribly rejected 
by my first rebound after my ex. He was this 25 year old, adorable ginger with a man bun bartender. He was like, say no and, more. <laughs> oh, and like people, people always are like, cause the lyric, like with the ginger too young for me. And people are always like, ew, you're like young. Like how old was this guy? And I'm like, no, like emotionally he was too young mm-hmm. for me. Like I was, how old was I? 30. I was 30 and he was 25. And that is a world of a difference, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but but I, he was the fucking fire I had been missing in my life and looking for, you know? My ex was a lot older than me and the fire was honestly kind of never there. That sounds terrible. There was love there and no. romance, but never, <laughs> yeah. Like not yeah. that like, like I wanna bite yeah. into it, like touch me. Um, and that's what this guy was. And um, so, Oh man, let's just get like real deep here for a second. Is that okay? I'm just gonna like, all right, all right. Um, so, so I met this guy, um, Ginger Too Young for me. That's what I'm gonna call him always. Um, and we had like this romantic, he was like the first guy that had kissed me in five and a half years, you know? And like, I felt sexy again. Like, have you guys ever seen Under the Tuscan Sun? with Diane Lane. You remember the part after she screws that sexy Italian guy and she leans against the wall and she's like, I still got it. I still got it. I literally, like when I met this guy, it was a couple nights after I broke up with my ex and I was sitting next to, are you get this, Casanova, which I guess we'll talk about later because that's another song and another guy I wrote about. Um, I was sitting with Casanova and I was like, I'm worried. I don't think I still have it. Like I I'm 30. How am I going to be single? You know, like fuck. And he asked, he goes, Hey man, like, do you think she still has it? And like the ginger goes, Oh, she's always had it. And I was like, I'm in, I'm so fucking in. I want it, you know? So anyway, um, so getting very deep. So one of the reasons why I was so scared of being single again, um, and it took a really long time to leave is because not only is it scary being single at 30, which is like something I don't think in music we ever talk about, you know, is it's like very, everybody, I like, I listen to your, your podcast and you know, everybody thinks you're going to get married if you've been with somebody over like two years. So deciding to break up with him was a huge decision in that and also also I knew I was gonna have to be seriously vulnerable with whoever I met because um because I had herpes in my system for many many years like since right right before I met my ex he was the first person I had ever told and accepted me so I stayed with him for a very long time and I was so scared to, if, if I met people, I couldn't just be in my early twenties, like 21 years old and just like have flings left and right. Like I couldn't do that as a, as a responsible person, you know? Um, so I knew that I would have to actually like connect with people and like share this. And that means like being rejected, which everyone is always afraid of sharing their baggage and being rejected. But this is like, a very specific, you know, you literally have to like tell somebody and be like, are you cool with this? And they say yes or no, you know? Um, 
So, so I told him and, and he rejected me and it was like, it was just kind of like, Oh fuck. I have. Yeah. And like, I have literally jumped off. Like, this is my biggest fear come true. And like, is this what it's going to be like being single? Like, I think I made a mistake, you know? Um, and so that is what I journaled about that night. And that's what the whole song, that's what the edge is actually about. And people don't realize that. Like they think that when I say the lyric, um, you know, uh, I'm diseased and nothing scarier than being honest with a partner, being honest with yourself like that. Yes, that can be metaphorical, but it was also like literal, you know? Um, yeah, really literal. and, And it's something that I want to talk, like I like to share with people and talk about because it's actually like such a common thing. Um, actually pretty much everybody has some kind of strain of herpes. Um, that's what but the chicken just, pox is. Yeah, it's literally what the chicken pox is. And also just from kissing, like everybody has some sort of strain. It's just like people don't know about it unless they get some kind of specific blood work, you know, or or they have like some sort of a breakout, you know. But this like virus, I learned a lot about it in massage therapy school. It stays dormant in your in this part of your spine. So if it's dormant, there's no symptoms whatsoever. And you can't actually like really, you know, pass it along during that time. Um, so point being like, most people have this, but everybody's so scared to talk about talking mm-hmm. about it because there's such a stigma about it. Sure. And I had so much shame about this thing because I had found out that I had it and I felt like, oh God, now that I know I have it, like I can't pretend this isn't a thing because that's not who I am, you know? Um, so that's why, breaking up with this guy was extra scary and um yeah so I journaled about it and the next day I took out this I had this acoustic guitar that literally was like collecting dust in my bedroom it was a 12 string that I put six strings on years ago I had traded my skateboard for it and um I just like picked it up and I downloaded a tuner app on my phone and I figured out how to tune it and I just learned three chords and just started like singing to my journal entry because it felt good because singing mm-hmm. feels good to me and and the edge that's how the edge happened and like from then on I was like hooked because I was like oh my god like this feels so it feels so good to get out all this shit and like yeah. make it into something that I can actually then be proud of to share with somebody you know like I find singing so much easier than talking like right now like interviewing and talking about this all of this serious stuff um this is so much more like vulnerable and scary for me to like than to sing about it you know so that's how it started well a thank you for sharing I so appreciate you like so important and I think you know me and Kristen have our own fair share of like therapy stories and what we're working through and like the whole thing is like each little bit is stigma and how like we're Mm -hmm. all trying to just get to the bottom of like it's okay to struggle with these things and like I just appreciate you sharing but also too like I agree like the art sometimes is the vehicle that you need to like there's no other way that you'd ever be able to process this stuff mm-hmm. so it's like because for me the the December daily I just did Kristen in December it was just like this like 
dump of all the grief that came from that breakup that was like dormant at like waited months to just like uh-huh. show itself. So just me just making this album and these pages were kind of in my mind equivalent to what you just said about like being able to get it out but then I also think too like there's a page in it that where I taught like the soundtrack for this past Christmas and just like what I was listening to is so telling and I wrote a journal entry about that going like the melodies plus the lyrics plus like no one else no matter who I told or how I told captured what I was feeling as well as how the songs were all put together like you know what I mean and so I was like no, even the people that loved me and me even talking to Kristen and talking about it on the podcast, like all that helped, but nothing really understood it. Like the compilation of those tunes, I guess. Oh my God. Anyway. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. So that's so interesting to hear it from the maker of a, an album. Like, oh <laughs> my God, it's like crazy. And then, so before that, before the edge, you had never written songs. You just performed and like did other stuff. Yeah, I just did other people's music. I always had, um, you know, on your iPhone, you have the voice memo thing. Yeah. I always have always, since like I've had an iPhone, um, I've always like just recorded me singing in the car, like random melodies or like, you know, if I'm upset about something, I just kind of like would like hit record and just sing into it. Um, But like never intended on really doing anything about it or never like thought I would ever actually make music so Mm -hmm. yeah I was I was very scared and to this day I still get I'm very nervous about playing in public I'm actually not really playing guitar or keyboard much in public anymore like our last show was the first show that I didn't play guitar on the edge and I didn't play keyboard on Casanova just because like I still get so nervous I'm I'm still like skill level very basic with that but mm-hmm. it's good because it's it's enough to still put a melody together, right. you know, and give it to my like my musician friends, my band yeah. who are like they're like my brothers. Um, so I basically just bring a basic melody to them, and I'm like, help me fill this out, mm-hmm. you know, do what you do because yeah. I want to do what I do. Yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah. resourceful, so resourceful. So I want to hear about Casanova, but I also want to hear kind of after writing the edge what ha- like what was the rest of that story so you pick which one should come first oh um yeah so I guess like that can kind of continues what Kristen's like thing before was basically after the edge and after I saw how it felt to write that I kind of was like oh like maybe I should just kind of what's the word like is chronicalize is that a word chronicalize no yeah, let's chronicle go let's go oh. with it chronicalize chronicle um I don't know, I guess like document sort of my healing process with this. So like when I would feel when I would get like so overwhelmed about something, like I would write about it. Um, I would either like go to the keyboard or the guitar and just start writing a melody of like how I was feeling inside or I would journal. So like my process is either or like it changes for every song. Um, So like for the next song with 72 hours, um, which is the second song on the on the CD, Um, and that came from just sitting at the piano and reflecting on like those first three days after the breakup. And I was just playing this like melody that I dug and it just felt really good. And then 72 hours came out of that. And then that's kind of how it went with the whole album. Like I put the album in chronological order of 
how it was going down. So. Cool. And then you had all the friends that ended up being your band or like you recruit yeah. them or like, oh, you had I, them. I love them. I've been in bands with them for so many years. Like they're literally my best friends and brothers. Um, uh, Yutin, who plays rhythm guitar and keyboard and backup singer, like he's nice. literally, he's such a renaissance man. Like he literally can pay, play any instrument. Um, him and Simon, my drummer, we were in a wedding band together for like three and a half years, many years ago. And then I had asked them to be in a cover band with me that I had for like, God, like one year. It was called Aaron and the International Jam. <laughs> it was all, <laughs> and it was all like just cover music. Um, and then Tristan, my amazing lead guitar player, he was Simon's friend. They're both Australian. So I have like two Aussies in my band. They're so Bye. cute. Um, and then uh, when I was like in that cover band, you know, I brought him on board too. And then we were looking for a bass player and someone recommended Jamie, who's our bass player. So we had all been in that cover band and been playing music together for years. So they were just like naturally the first people um, that I thought of. Yeah. And the person that like told me, the person that like inspired me one of your questions i remember was like what's the time where you knew that music was the direction you wanted to go in like so music rather than theater um i was seeing this friend of mine uh brian stern incredibly talented piano player incredible um and i was in boston visiting him and he was the first person i ever played music in front of like I played him the edge in 72 hours I made him like literally turn around but I was so mortified embarrassed and when he turned around he was like his face that he had on was like that he was moved and he was just like you should we should make a band like you should make a band you should do this and that was my like aha moment I was like oh, like maybe I could do that and then I immediately thought of my boys. I was like, mm -hmm. oh my God, I have friends. Like, this mm -hmm. is actually like totally convenient. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's funny because one of the things that we talk about a lot on the show and one of the things that I keep bringing up with everybody is that like, it's funny how all of our decisions lead us to where we are. And like, you wouldn't have been able to put together your band if you hadn't have been in all these bands with your boys like mm -hmm. they wouldn't have been there and it's you know you wouldn't have been able to make this album if you didn't go through this heartbreak it just mm -hmm. it couldn't have possibly happened and sometimes a lot of times so much beauty comes out of stuff that is just so destructive Mm -hmm. and like that's up to us it's up to us to create the beauty out of the destruction and like that's the hardest thing like that's the hardest thing is to say I am determined to create something beautiful out of this destruction mm -hmm. and I think it's only when we get to like now when we're 30 ish I know, like, cause... a little over thirty, <laughs> right? No, well, when we get to that, like, 
it's a it's a you know it's a mark in your life when you turn 30 and then your 30s you know it's totally well uh, you have that that thing where it's like oh okay i need to do something mm-hmm. i know i'm not that person that i was in my 20s where i could just <sighs> flit around and do things yeah I, and you, you yeah. you have that life experience from the 20s where you flit flitted around and did things and now you're 30 and you're in the place that you are because of all the decisions you made for good or bad but you are that person and like that usually that person's pretty cool or a lot more ready to be as cool as she could be i feel like you know what i mean or like or brave enough at that point to like i feel like when people turn 30 like everybody's like ah and like that's like a time where you look at what you've done so far and made so far and like where you are in your life and you're like am i happy like do i like this right um you know that's what i really related to about both of your your breakup um episodes is like i like looked around i was like oh my god like i don't really i don't like where i am like where like the path that i'm on right now is like we're gonna get married i'm gonna live in the suburbs of Jersey forever which is never what I wanted to do ever like I wanted to go I wanted to go into the city and like and you know pound the pavement and like fucking try to do something uh, the, uh, the white picket fence thing is something we're always sold as women as like little girls and like there was this part of me that really wanted that right especially because everyone else around us had that and like that's yes. what we grew up with and it's like okay and everyone, I mean, we grew up in a town where everyone around <laughs> us seemed pretty happy. Everyone was so, like, I always think of the word content. Like, everyone in our town was very content. Um, or, or it seemed like that. I'm sure not everybody was. But, like, right, everyone right. seemed very content with, like, you know, after high school, you, like, get your job, ap- you know, after, after college. And then and you get married and you have kids. Like that is as right. a female a goal. And you stay in North Arlington. You buy yeah. a house. That's oh like yeah, a, you just named it. You just named that town. You on the it. other. <laughs> you, you sorry guys. No, go for it. Do it. I wasn't going to. I'm glad you did. <laughs> well, okay. So like, here's the other thing that you need to know about North Arlington, is that it is a very small town, and one third of it is a cemetery. <laughs> There are so many where the good girls go to lay there in this town. It's a Catholic. Oh, also, Aaron and I went to Catholic school, so like Catholic guilt all day, every day. Kill me now. <laughs> well, right, like that. The, there is a very specific lifestyle when you grew up where we grew up. Mm-hmm. Like, and if you did not live that lifestyle. There was a, a, I don't want to say direct shaming, but there was an implied, like. I, I don't even know if, like, I don't even know if the shame was really coming from other people. I feel like just you, if you grew up in that town and if you didn't want to follow that path, you feel a shame on the inside, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's just, like, comes with it. It's like that 
Catholic guilt, that like shame for not following the formula and like wanting more. And you know what? And or, so or not thing- more, not more, because that's like offending, you know, people. Like, cause I don't want to put down like people who who their goal is to get married and have kids because it takes a fucking lot of strength and work to be married to somebody and to have kids like props you know but like to not follow that exact formula and to want to do it a different way and like you know what I mean and go outside that box yeah there's shame there's like a lot of shame you feel like oh like I I feel like I fail all this like I always feel like a failure because of that (laughs) I, like, this is literally what I'm working through in therapy right now is me breaking up with North Arlington. <laughs> I'm, like, in yeah. no uncertain terms, this was my conversation with my therapist. Is like, me and Amanda had a breakup episode last week on the podcast. I feel like I'm breaking up with my hometown. Like, this is, like, and I feel All guilt the conditioned thinking mm-hmm. from living there is what it of, is. Of, like, you know, I moved away because I don't want that lifestyle. The lifestyle that you need to live in order to live in the New York City suburbs is does not align with my values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like that makes me feel a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I think you also, both like, are touching on a really important thing that's been coming into my mind lately, which is like I, I watch this. I've been really into like stand up comedy, like really badly lately. Anyway, so there's this Netflix special. I don't even know her how to say her last name, but it's Eliza, and it's called Older Millennial. I don't know if you've watched it, but she she does the yeah. stand-up comedy in, like, a boat, and she's blonde. She does it in a boat? Yeah, it's, like, in a, in a sh- ship or something. I don't know. That's, but it, it was really interesting. But she said at one point that resonated with me so much where she was like, you know, when I was in my 20s, she goes, I knew I always wanted to get married, always wanted to have kids. But in my in your 20s, you just think that like, if you do you by 30, the government will issue you a husband, issue you some kid. Like you just think <laughs> like, I, that's how I felt in my 20s. Like I felt like it would be just my betrothed and like a birthright of mine for wanting that and just living my life that it would have like I always just assumed it would happen but I think the point that's like real like it almost has to be a goal you have to like I'm at a point too where like I knew if I went on this path of still like waitressing like you were saying while trying to do my own graphic design and make that like I just feel like I was directed toward like maybe you should make some responsible decisions because if you do want that at this point in your life, like you're gonna have to be able to take care of yourself. Like it, like it does have to be an orchestrated decision almost. It's not just gonna be issued yeah. to you. Like it's just like it really does have to be a value that yeah. then you are like going to try to choose to. Like I can't even want to say the word pursue, but like it has to become a value that then you can like make sure you're equipped to handle I don't know yeah no especially in this economical system we're in right now like god fucking damn it like um like especially to live in this like New York tri-state area it is so expensive like you can't just like get married and have a kid like that shit costs so much money you know like I actually I'm actually at a point right now where um I am stressed as fuck because I do want to, I'm, I'm found, I met like, I reconnected with somebody I had met four years ago and we've been dating now for a year. Our year anniversary just passed and he's like, loves me for exactly who I am. And like, I don't have to change. He's like my biggest cheerleader. Um, but I want to get married. 
right now. And like, I want to have kids with this person because he's a badass and I want to make a little him. And I'm like, I'm broke as fuck. Like, yeah, I can't do that. So like, I've literally been now trying to look for jobs that have like benefits and, sure. you know, 401k and maternity leave and all this stuff that I never, ever thought that I would ever look for because I was just like, well, I'm an artist and it'll work itself out. And it's like, uh, it doesn't work itself out. And I am exactly. an artist, but like, exactly. I, but like mama needs a grown up job while she's being an artist. <laughs> if like you want to yeah. do things like that, it's crazy. You know, I, that's exactly what I was talking about. Well said. I know. I agree. I, I'm just, Thank and you. it's funny that like, for me, I've always been a late bloomer, but that happened to me like, you know, into my 30s. It wasn't something I was aware of earlier than that. And then I think, that, you know, we Kristen brings it up a few times, but it's such a crafty-ass female resourceful topic of like infertility. And when you're at a certain age and like if you want that, like that's also something you have to think. And I, I feel this shift in like <clears throat> women in general just waiting, right, until their mm-hmm. 30s. But then that problem is a real problem, you know, so. Okay, so one thing I want to talk to you about. Last summer, you were in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. (laughs) Yeah. And you played one of my favorite characters in any show that is just. So if anyone has not seen Hedwig and the Angry Inch, you should just go watch the movie now because it's one of my top five favorite movies of all time. Me too. Um. I have this I have this problem where I just like constantly tell people to watch things and then if I get you in a place I will trap you and make you watch things I do the same exact thing to people I'm like you need to watch it it's going to change your life and I want to help I want to help change your life so watch it. <laughs> force watching making people watch Hedwig and the Angry Inch and then watching them watch it is one of my favorite things to do in the entire world because people are so not ready for it on so many levels um, and then also there's an amazing song every five minutes. Every five minutes. It's yeah. so good. Oh, my God. Okay. So can you tell everybody about the character you played, a little bit about the show, and what was your favorite part? Oh, my God. So I in Hedwig and the Angry Inch, I played Yitzhak, which is Hedwig's husband, Rhodey husband. Um, so I'm just as a man. Um, and the, and the difference is, um, Hedwig's character, Hedwig was born a man and then had surgery and became a woman. And, and also I believe feels like a woman, although actually like I've read so many freaking articles and like blogs about Hedwig. Like I'm a real junkie. I know. And, Isn't it amazing? I yeah, watched it. And I, we watched it for my gender theory class and it, I've been obsessed for the last 15 years and you can just have so many different conversations about Okay, keep going. Yeah, yeah, no. And like a lot actually a lot of people feel me me and my Hedwig talked about this is that like Hedwig actually like embodies both. And I, I think mm-hmm. Hedwig I think that's what actually the show is about, is about embracing both of those energies and parts of you. Yes. Um Um and I really, really connect with that personally. But anyway, my character um is a man. Um so that's that was my character um Hedwig and the Angry Inch has literally been I've been obsessed with the movie also so when like it was coming back to Broadway that was actually my first Broadway callback was with Neil Patrick was uh was Yitzhak I never like got to ever 
obviously like read with Neil Patrick Harris or anything like that. But it was my first Broadway callback, which is exciting. That's amazing. Um, so I've been like chasing this freaking role for years. Um, so I finally got to do it and I was like so ready because I had done from like the callbacks and just like so much prep on this, Mm -hmm. like the accent, like the walk, like you can actually look, oh my gosh, if you, if anybody's super bored and like gives a fuck, you can like YouTube Aaron Maya shook me all night long Yitzhak. I made a video, a submission video to get their attention. Um, and it was me and I'm singing on top of a car and I'm singing shook me all night long. And I translated the lyrics into Croatian. And oh my so God. They're, they're going along the bottom of the screen. Like that's how bad I wanted this role. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to like, anyway. So yeah, so I did that this summer and it was, it was, incredible to get to finally do it and also it really fulfilled a part of me that is really often ignored like I have a very I have a huge masculine part of me like I'm a Mm. I have a very masculine dominant energy that like I am constantly apologizing for hashtag like this is one of my like goals in you know 2019 is to Mm -hmm. like stop apologizing um in general but for that as well um so yeah, it was like so uh, revelatory, mm-hmm. I guess is a good word for it for me. And it's really funny, um, the the design, the, like for the makeup and like cost, like what they wanted me to look like as Yitzhak when I got there, I like didn't, I wasn't like really on board with it. Um, I like just didn't feel manly enough in it. And I was so lucky because my director was cool as fuck and like, he was, he trusted me. And so I like went down the YouTube, you know, rabbit hole. And I found this, this girl doing this guy drag, this drag king makeup. And like, it looked like Robert Downey Jr. Or like Orlando Bloom. And like, so I just did it in my mirror and like figured it out for myself. I showed my director and he was like, that's it. I was like, I was like, and he has a man bun because man buns are sexy, you know? That's so. amazing. Yeah, that was, that was Hedwig. It was awesome. <laughs> Yes, Hedwig is Hedwig is absolutely amazing. If you want to get started, like getting started on a gender and sex versus gender and all any type of conversation, just like throw Hedwig on the television. Also, it's like 90 minutes. It's like a it's like a tight 90. Mm-hmm. And and literally amazing songs every 5 minutes. What is the angry inch part about? Oh, or- you go, Kristen. You go, Kristen. You go. <laughs> That's a great question, Amanda. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what I love about the takeaway of that story is kind of how, you know, we talk about it a bunch of times. We've had a What's Your Thing episode. But, like, you obviously, even before that opportunity presented itself, was ready for it. It was like you were already just and, – and I think, too, like, we talked about how, like, Michael Jordan was inevitably going to be Michael Jordan, like the basketball player, because of just – who he was like you know I always think that I go was it him pursuing something that he wanted or was it just always going to happen because it was he was it was what he was meant to do like I always confuse the two or wonder about that but at the same time I think we do have a role in it because it's our role to listen like it's our role to like pay attention to what it is that you know like you were just saying about what was the town North Arlington yeah like to listen to the fact that the formula of North Arlington was not is not your formula 
Like yep. that's your role. Yeah. So it's- I, I think that's exactly right. Cause like, yeah. There are no Chads and Stacys that can play Yitzhak. But right. There's destiny, but there's amazing. also listening. So now in season four of our podcast, we have new questions to ask. And one of the questions we're going to ask everyone is, what do you feel is one of the biggest places that you have experienced growth in your life and how do you feel like you could give advice to our listeners from that opportunity wow um i feel like you've done so much already your entire album is about growth yeah i mean i definitely feel like 2018 was my year of growth with the with the album and just in general and healing from all of that you know and that journey's still going on you know every single day i'm still healing over that breakup even though i'm totally in love with my boyfriend you know For like sure. i i really resonated with what you guys were saying about um on the breakup episode i've also heard that thing where like you know uh it takes half of however uh-huh. long you dated somebody to get over them I think I might believe that. I don't know. But at the same time, I don't know. I'm somebody, I'm the kind of person that even if, like, and I've been like this with all my relationships, like, I can't just, like, turn off after a break off. Yeah. Uh, break, break off. Break up. <laughs> I can't yeah. break off after a breakup. Yeah. Like, I, if you have, like, if I have loved you and we have had a connection, and this goes for friends, too, like, but like you are like embedded in my heart. Like I have such a hard time getting rid of um, letters or like photos from exes. Mm-hmm. Like I still have a lot of that kind of stuff. And my my ex hated that. Like he did not like that. Um, but my ex was also the kind of person that like when he is done, he's done. Um, and, you know, when I broke up with him, he was not having it he was not he like he was really upset and I felt awful and really guilty and it lasted honestly it dra- it it was dragging on like for about five months I'm not even kidding like four or five months right. but then finally like when he decided okay I'm gonna accept this he was so done like completely he got rid of he gave me back all of the photos and yeah. gifts he like took he had a photo of me up oh, this is a lyric in 72 hours um he he was an artist really great artist actually um and he had drawn this photo of me um and it was framed on his wall and when he was finally you know done like and decided to like throw in the towel he was gonna he gave me back that photo like that 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 drawing of me and I was so upset that like my picture was off the wall yeah <laughs> which is so hypocritical you know right no like, I, I you can't yeah. have both but like yeah. I feel like everybody kind of wants both like in a breakup like yeah. you want to be done with the person but you still want them to want you and love you which is like complete it's it's not right fair. they don't owe you anything but it can't help the emotion of being there yeah totally yeah. that yeah, makes complete totally. sense yeah, but I definitely think 
growth, the most growth happened in the last year. Definitely healed a lot of things and worked on a lot of insecurities because that was my biggest flaw in that relationship was my insecurity. And that was kind of like this whole last year. I'm still working on it. Mm. Great answer. Great answer. I, I resonated with everything you said. Even that whole like when the breakup happens to when it was happening before it actually happened to when you actually do separate like all those phases we talked about in the breakup episode Mm -hmm. and that's you know yeah and that that could haunt you for a long time (laughs) like it still haunts me like oh my god it still haunts me this the phases of it I know and then I also in that I think that episode I mentioned um the term ambiguous loss because that's what it feels like it's like they're still intact and they're still around they're just not around with you so it's like you feel a loss even though they're not lost like you could probably find them on google but it's just like and the myth of closure the myth like i think too like his whole thing was him like a lot of people process that different and he was trying to put closure by physically giving back things. Like, I think that's what we do. Like, we, you try to make it feel like closure by being so done. But there's, it's a myth. You really can't be when, you're, when you love someone embedded. You're right. I agree. Wow. I just resonated so much with what you just said about ambiguous closure. That was literally the whole – that was the one of the hardest things about leaving him. And then once I left him because – so – um, Kristen knows this. My dad passed away when I was in sixth grade. Um, you knew that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and he had been sick my whole life. Um, and one of the things when I said like me and him, I think we came together originally because we were both broken people. Like one of the reasons why I was broken is because like I still had not after all those years dealt with a lot of my feelings about that, like my grief. Um, and, and he was a dad. My ex was a dad. Um, and I had some daddy issues, you know? And so when I broke up with him, well, first of all, I was like so scared of breaking up with him because loss, that loss, feeling of loss, I was frightened of because I didn't want to feel it again. And I hate goodbyes because of my childhood, you know? And that was like one of the fucking hardest things about breaking up with him was like that knowing that he was still in the world you know, and wanting to like, and wanting so badly to like crawl back into his arms and to hug him again because he feels like home. Cause like, I can't do that with my dad. Like he's Mm -hmm. actually gone from this world. And like, I, I really, my ex and my dad, like those issues were so entwined, like not healthy, not healthy, but like, but at the same time healing in itself because like watching his relationship with his daughter who I'm still like so close with like I love her so much um I'm really lucky that we still get to see each other um but watching their relationship was so healing for me like I kind of lived vicariously those five and a half Mm. years through watching him be a wonderful father to her and uh, just getting to watch a normal healthy daddy daughter relationship you know because like my dad was so sick we really didn't get to do a lot of normal daddy daughter kind of things you know and i feel like i've always ached for that and like mourned that so like my ex really helped me in that sense you know i definitely goodness and your awareness now 
Your awareness now yeah, is I, such growth. I miss him still. Like, I miss sure. him in that sense still sometimes. But then I have to, like, be, like, go through therapy, like, with my therapist. And I have to be, like, oh, no. I, like, yeah, sure, maybe I miss him. But, like, no, you actually miss your dad. Like, you just tied those two so closely together, you know? Yeah. And I'm actually, I'm actually sort of, like, all of these feelings of the breakup have come back again recently because he actually just proposed to his girlfriend oh that'll do it of that like freaking of do like it a year yeah i know that'll do it i know how like, how simple could it be oh, i know I yeah know. i know and i just like all of those feelings came up again and i was like oh my god like somebody else is gonna get to have a family like i want a family like you know i wanted to be her stepmom like all the feelings all the things completely normal yeah but then I just realized but then I but then I think about it and I'm so happy for him like that was why I broke that's why I had to break us up is because like I knew we weren't right for each other I knew that I couldn't give him the life that he wanted you know in the suburbs like more of a normal life because like I'm just not a normal person I'm weird and artistic and flighty you know um and he couldn't give me the kind of adventure lifestyle that I wanted. So, you know what, like, I am, I have gotten to a place that even though I still have moments of like shock and like, oh my God, like what, he never proposed to me. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I can like, like turn it off and be like, no. Like, I broke up with him so that he could find his person and I could find my person. And like, I told him that when I broke up with him. I was like, you're going to thank me someday, and I'm going to thank myself. And, you know, he didn't have to wait too too long to yeah, you know, yeah, They never do, wanted. do they? They never oh, do. Oh, they never do. It's such, a typo- <laughs> it's such a typical guy move that I'm almost yeah. like, have fun, honey. Like, right. Good for you. Yeah. What a good person you are. Uh, oh, man. You know what? <laughs> I, I try. I have moments. This is a moment of being a good person. Oh, <laughs> there are man. many but moments s- of not so much growth though like come on like for the first person we've ever asked seasons four's question to like hello like (laughs) and so like me and Kristen talked about the two breakup episodes the two-parter and we're like this is just gonna be the tip of the iceberg and it'll find its way in other episodes and there it is like you I feel like you were the you were the guardian angel that took that to the next level so thanks thank you So, at the end of every episode with our interviewees, we do our Currently Round, which is taken right from Kristen's uh, Currently Cards that she makes. You can get your own at areyoukristen.com slash currently. So, Erin, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So, what are you currently watching? I'm – the cool answer would be Russian Doll. (laughs) Nice. The – The answer we all want to hear? The true answer (laughs) – is say yes to the dress. Don't oh my god, that I show love that is show. such trash. But like, oh, I love that show. I, I love Randy. Get enough of it. I love Randy. I love Randy. It's, oh my god. And their new yeah. like end song montage, the song that they use for the montage, like dun, 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 like the end. <laughs> oh my yes. god, it's so good. Every time Instead that. Of that like, yeah, that cheesy thing. So now, like, yeah. I'll, I, I'll just have it on in my apartment. And when the end comes and I hear, like, the song, like, ooh, I just, like, I'm running to the TV. <laughs> I just want to see the end. I'm so glad they don't have that old song they used to no. use. It was so no. corny. That, like, forever yours. Yeah, yeah. the hell it was. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, 
I will. Oh, I'm and they're so... going to get divorced in like yeah. five years next. <laughs> Those yes. wedding dresses dresses are ugly as hell most of the time though. Most like, of the time. But then you get like the one out of ten that's like, girlfriend, yeah. buy that one. Say yes. Yeah. And then you're yeah. like, Pinterest, Pinterest, yeah. <laughs> all the things. <laughs> so guilty of it. When you were talking about all that wedding stuff from being like the singer at the weddings, I was like, you probably have a bomb ass Pinterest board oh. of all this wedding stuff. It's, it's private too. Yeah. And it's called... <laughs> It's called because I'm mortified about this part of me. But now everybody knows because people are going to listen to this podcast and they're going to know I'm a fucking girly girl. Um, We're going to have to make it public so I can link it in the show notes now. (laughs) People will think I'm a psycho. They will think I'm a psycho if they see my – it's literally called – I'm looking at it right now. It has a hilarious name and it's private. And I made it because it makes me laugh every time I see it. Where the hell is it? It's called like Aaron – Oh, future wedding ideas. Oh, man, am I that girl now? I guess so. <laughs> no joke. It is so fucking Oh, my God. That's amazing. So I yeah. shall be linking to it, whether it's private or public or not. All right. So I, guess, people... I guess I'm going to have to, like, make it public and everybody can see what a freak I am. Okay. Oh, my God. Obsessed. Obsessed. Yeah. See, we wanted the real answer. There Russian we go. doll given. Okay. It ain't that good. Yeah. <laughs> So what are you currently reading? I'm currently reading this book. It's based off of like, it's a his, based off of history. Um, it's called Wild Women of Prescott. And it's Ooh. by Jan McKell Collins. And I heard about this book from listening to the podcast, Adam Ruins Everything. Okay. He, on, he was talking about um, like prostitutes um in the wild west like courtesans and all of that um and this woman wrote this book wild women of prescott and it's like fucking incredibly interesting i would listen to the podcast first like if anybody's Mm -hmm. interested it's adam ruins everything and it's the one about like the women in the west um and basically it's just like about all these women that started and invented all of this stuff in the West. And they were like the only women out there because all the wives were like pretty much back home. And so they like didn't, these were the women who were like poor, poor or immigrants and had no other choice. So they went and they like started their businesses. And then they used the fact that like they knew these men of power to like create like, I think one of them created like the first post office or something insane, like another one she's the reason why there's like rights to people's life stories for movies because someone wrote a movie about hers and she like sued them and now there's that that law like it's just crazy um and anyway i'm actually thinking about i'm doing research because i'm thinking about making it into a musical but anyway we will see amazing we will see how that goes so fun it's so good we'll have you back on the podcast when that's ready to be talked about (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I hope so. <laughs> Fun. So what are you currently listening to? I'm listening to two things. Um, the Used, uh, which is my favorite band in high school. They their album The Canyon, uh, which came out I think two in 2017, but I was late on that ship. Um it's incredible. It's like I think an 18 song concept album, and it's about the lead singer Bert McCracken's grief journey after his friend mm-hmm. um, 
committed suicide. It's heavy and it's like a work of art. It's really good. Um, Sounds amazing. Yeah. So that, and then I'm also listening to one of my, one of my biggest rock star, like idol people that I like look up to so much, uh, Laura Jane Grace from Against Me. She has her own solo project band now called Laura Jane Grace and the Devouring Mothers. So I'm listening to that a lot too. Cool. Yep. Cool. Those two things. I'll link to both of those so people can also listen. Yes. And then maybe uh, Laura will know who I am because yeah. I'm obsessed with her. I'm obsessed. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Anyway, you can make a connection. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always like strategically trying to figure out how I could get like cute comedians to like date me anyway <laughs> <laughs> like now that's been the latest the latest goals, goals, I, hear you. goals. I hear you okay so what are you currently making uh new music actually nice. yeah we've written we've written i've written and collaborated with my band on uh we've already added to our set four new songs actually um and i'm working on another new one right now um, the next album or EP or whatever, if we decide to, we're, we're trying to decide whether we want to release just singles. Cause a lot of the, mm-hmm. a lot of the kids are doing that these days. Yeah. Um, so we're either going to do that or another EP, but the next one will definitely be about like, about self-work about like mm-hmm. identity, like working through your identity would be the theme. So yeah, working on a lot of music about identity stuff. Cause that's where I'm at in my <laughs> journey at the moment say that sounds amazing yeah where can people see you if they wanted to see you live is there a specific place um yeah we don't have we just had a show at rockwood music hall on stage two we perform there a lot that's like our favorite place to perform in new york city um but we right now are in the process of booking more shows for 2019. We don't have anything okay. on the books. But... And then on your website, it'll have the listing of where they Yeah, can. yeah. And also like if and people- And your Instagram too, right? Yeah, I'm like very, I'm pretty active on my Instagram and it's um, the band's Instagram and it's very new. So we don't have too many followers yet. So anybody listening to this, please follow uh, our Instagram at Aaron Maya and the Reckoning. And I'll always post about shows there. Okay, cool. What are you currently feeling? Oh, um, well, right now I'm very happy talking to you guys. Um, I've been very depressed though lately, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I've definitely been like in the kind of same place as like the last song on my EP, Just One Step. I've definitely been there. Seasonal depression is real, y'all. I was going to say, are you are you a winter sad kind of person? It's uh, Yeah, it's, I fucking it's... hate it. It's a theme for us on the show that we are very much not, we call it winter hell. It is. It's hell. It's like when I gain weight, like I eat all the things in the winter and feel all the things. I just like feel like, I don't know, winter time comes and I just like feel like a failure. <laughs> I don't I, know why. Well, it's that, it's that whole thing. It's like there's not enough light to make you want to do the things you need to do. And then you get sad and then it's like, well, I'm going to eat something to make me get more energy so that I can do Uh the things that I want to do. But then the things that I eat don't make me, don't actually give me the energy. So then I have less energy and I feel crappy because I eat the crappy things. And it's just this whole circle of like, well, when is it April? (laughs) God, sometimes it's like, when is it June? Because it's still snowing in April or whatever nonsense happens here. Oh my God, last year we had like an actual (laughs) foot of snow at the end of April and it was like brutal. That's insane. It was 
That's when I left my stupid computer in Canada, too. That was dumb. Okay. <laughs> what? But, yeah, no, I've never left anything any... I've, I've stayed in hundreds of hotel rooms in my life. I've never left anything in any hotel room in my entire life. Last year, driving home, we stayed in Niagara Falls for a night. I left my computer and my purse in the hotel room. What? Oh my god. It was so dumb. Oops. (laughs) But I mean, it was, at least it was Canada and everyone's really nice. So no one stole anything and they put it in a box and sent it to me. Oh, of course. They probably put a bow on it too. They're so nice. (laughs) It was, it was like, it was great. So like, it was awesome. Like, so thank you, Canada. But thank you, Canada, for everything. (laughs) That was the proverbial cherry on the top of last year's like winter hell. Wow, dude. That's like your whole fucking life. (laughs) That's so stressful anxiety okay this was amazing you are legitimately amazing um we are gonna head over to after chatter and talk about some awesomely amazing things some more unplugged and unfiltered stuff um thank you guys so much for supporting the show thank you patrons you are amazing you make this show happen every week you guys we just literally cannot do it without you and we are going to be bringing you some really cool new things soon um and we cannot wait if you guys want to come over to the after chatter show it is at patreon.com slash crafty female and you can catch the rest of this interview with Aaron. otherwise we will catch you next week with another awesome guest and have an amazing week and we will see you next monday lots and lots of love bye guys